Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 115, the new, new essentials. We'd like to thank Card Sleeves for keeping our games new, new. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Hey, Anthony, you like to keep your games all brand new, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Have you heard of these things called card sleeves? Maybe. You know, like when the designers and publishers produce a game with like black borders or really thin paper? Ah, yeah. Jerks. I'm telling you, but this is when these card sleeves come in so handy. So, you know, if you have a few hundred hours on your hands to kind of like sleeve a legendary game, there's some card (laughs) sleeves there for you. uh, Actually, this week, we're not talking so much about keeping games up and perfect, but we're talking about the new, new essentials. The games that you want to carry along with you, bring to each and every game night to engage a wide range of gamers at the table that week so we're going to talk about that for our feature review but let's talk about our acquisition disorder so anthony what do you have for us this week all right so speaking of new new transitions (laughs) nice yeah price prizes on kickstarter i don't know if this will still be up or not actually so if you're listening to this and it's not my apologies, but it is the new version of Brass. Brass is a game that until very recently I had no experience with, so I can't speak to it in great depth. But one of the reasons I really didn't get into it much is because it was a Martin Wallace game. It's not pretty to look at, as most of his older games are not. And it kind of it was confusing because there's this system, this economic system based on the Industrial Revolution that's been used in several other of his own games he iterates constantly so having played some of those and not others i didn't i don't know i just never was quite sure what i had played so now roxley games who do fantastic work their their release of santorini is just spectacular they are releasing brass in two editions so what you have is brass lancashire which is the original version of the game and they made some tweaked they tweak the rules a little bit, you know, some balance, improve the two and three player rules. And just everything is so much higher quality, <laughs> like across the board. It just looks really nice. And then there's Brass Birmingham, which is a sequel to the original that uses a dynamic board setup. So you have kind of a modular setup. Everything's a little bit different. There's a new canal and rail scoring uh, system, three new industry types, putting in breweries and potteries and different kinds of manufactured goods. Uh, new actions, mechanics, strategies, etc. So lots of different stuff. So more iteration on that same old system uh, that Martin Wallace has been working on for a long time. The way this sets, is set up is if you back it on Kickstarter, you can get one game or the other. So if you really, really like the original Brass, don't care about the new one, you can get the deluxe version uh, by itself. If you don't like the old Brass but like the changes that they're making to the new one, you can get just the new one, Birmingham, or you can get them together for a bit of a discount. I'm still on the fence of which combination of these I want to grab because, like I said, I'm not super familiar with Brass. And just looking at this now, there will be plenty of time when you listen to this. I think it'll be about like a week or so left. Check it out if you're interested. Have you actually played Brass? Is this a game you've played? 
yes, I've actually played Brass. And thanks to Dave for actually getting me through that uh, pretty difficult German rulebook at the time. Oof. Brass <laughs> is a very different game than, I guess, typical Euro gamers are used to. While Brass is and Martin Wallace games are in that kind of Euro game universe, they tend to have a different tact as far as how you're going to go about playing. So you're not really building up an industry as much as you are strategically placing your buildings and your transit system so that other people will use it and therefore you will get benefit from it. So it's really kind of a active passive type of system. And it does kind of, it does take you a few rounds to really wrap your head around it. And it's interesting, but as you said, the original production of this was as bland and boring as can be, but this new Kickstarter version is just amazing. I can't believe that something so gorgeous and and thematic here is in a Martin Wallace game. I mean, just it's incredible, actually. Yeah, it's nuts. And the fact that this, a Euro, a deluxified Euro with a sequel, is getting almost $650,000 on Kickstarter with two weeks left, is going to break a million bucks, which is great. I mean, go Euro gamers, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. I'm really glad to see this game get this type of treatment and hopefully he'll do this with some of his other games they're all really well deserved all right so another kickstarter that i want to bring up that should also still be available by the time this broadcast will be Petacore. now this is a really interesting abstract light game where you're actually trying to grow fields of plants and flowers by utilizing different weather to create clouds, to seed the clouds, and then to rain on certain sections of the board that will score you points. Now, where the gameplay and the competitive play comes into action here is that, in fact, you're going to have like your little own color, I guess for lack of a better term, like raindrops here. So as the game goes on, these clouds are moving around the board, as clouds tend to do, And when they rain, depending on the number of droplets that you have on that location, you are going to score victory points based upon the plant or flower below it. So if three or four players drop their raindrops there, it's great. But it turns out that only the first two players score and the first player obviously scores more points. So you need to have the majority in that area. But there is an interesting voting mechanic as far as what activates first and what takes place as far as the weather is concerned. This is another quite beautiful game and something very different that I haven't seen before as far as themes concerned, but also what looks as far as a little bit of an interactive collaborative gameplay that allows you to strategically place what you need to do in the right section and then kind of like I wouldn't say force the votes your way, but kind of set yourself up for victory. So it's a really innovative, interesting game. And it's definitely something to check out on Kickstarter. Have you seen this, Anthony? Yeah, it's on my watch list. It's, uh, it's first off, it's beautiful. The yes. artwork is fantastic. Second off, it's got a full solo mode. Yes. Uh, and designed by the guy who did the solo for Anachrony, Days of Ire. I don't know. It just seems like it has a good pedigree and it just looks really nice. So I think one of the quotes on here is it's it's like uh, what does it say? Like dominant species, but in a fifth of the time. I was like, <laughs> well, that's that sounds great. Yeah. So 
I, I might check this one out. Yeah, there's still some prototype components on it, so we're not sure what the final, final release will look like, but it's definitely something you should be checking out. All right, so with that said, let's get on to our At the Tables. Anthony, what have you been playing this week? Okay, so speaking of Kickstarter, it continues. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's transition number two, by the way, for those keeping score at home. Ah. Uh, yeah, so this um, this last week and the week before, actually, got a chance to play Unfair. Uh, this is a game that we we actually spotted this at Gen Con last year, and that was right before I think they ran their Kickstarter. Uh, they ran it in the fall, right around that time. And uh, this is a card game. It's a tableau building game with just a whole bunch of cards about building and running your own amusement park. As you can guess from the name of the game, Unfair, there's a fair bit of player interaction here. But honestly, not as much as you might expect, at least not in the playthroughs I've had. The basic idea of the game is everybody's going to get one theme and then those doesn't really affect how you play at all. All that means is the cards from that theme are going to go into the card pool uh, and they get mixed up. So there's things like vampires and pirates and robots and all sorts of stuff. And so those get all shuffled up and every turn you get a choice for a variety of different actions. But really what you're doing is you are purchasing cards playing cards, building cards to put out new rides, uh, upgrades for those rides, uh, staff members, and then a handful of other things that you can do that allow you to increase your income, get a whole bunch of money, ideally, get more guests into your park, and then ultimately get a whole bunch of victory points. Now, the, the way to get the most victory points is to have rides with a whole ton of upgrades on them. But you have to be careful because other people can shut down your rides with some of their cards. They can steal some of your cards. They can destroy things. Again, I haven't seen this happen too much because uh, we played, well, the one time we played with five and the other time with four. And I feel like with that many people, unless someone's really far ahead, it's hard to justify using your valuable actions to hurt somebody else instead of help yourself, that kind of thing. But if somebody kind of jumps out to a big start, big head, you know, lead on something, other people will rein them in a little bit. I like this game a lot. It was a lot of fun. I thought I wouldn't like it. I don't like games that are super heavy on interaction that are going to hurt you and basically tear down something you built up. It's one of my major problems with area control games, at least older ones. But I don't feel like it hurt that much. Um, the couple times I did get dinged, uh, it didn't just derail my strategy. I was still able to do well. I didn't win, but I did well. And the combination of the blueprint cards, which kind of act as endgame goals, the sheer amount of points you can get if you put enough upgrades on a single ride, uh, some of the cool thematic things that go together. These these cards are pretty cool. And the fact that you look at the box and there's all this extra space, so you know they're going to release new stuff in the future. This is definitely one I'm going to keep at near the, uh, the game night bag because I think I'll probably bring it out a few more times. So I'm happy to have backed it and as such, give it a buy. Wasn't there some initial problems with the games with the cards or the text or something like that yeah yeah so this didn't actually affect me uh but the person whose copy i played uh the first time had this problem so he was going to send his cards back but what happened is some of the cards in the box were a different size than others so when you shuffle them together they'd be like some would stick out and some would be a little bit short, shorter it, it wasn't actually that big of a deal it was more annoying than anything else you can't tell which cards are bigger and which are smaller it was like 50 50 but I, it was annoying. Um, so it'd be a problem if you, if you sleeved it, right? I don't think it would. You just have to get a little bit longer sleeves because the longer cards are normal. It's the shorter ones that are too short. So if you got colored sleeves, like colored back sleeves, you wouldn't know the difference. But it's a lot of cards, too. It's like 400 cards. It's so. a lot of cards, yeah. 
Yeah, like I don't think I want to sleeve it. Um, cause you don't shuffle that much. It's not. It's not. It's not a drafting game. It's not like a shuffling game. Uh, but if it gets a lot of play, I might consider it. So you're happy uh, this is a buy for you? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally... I kind of went at it on a lark. I was like, meh. <laughs> it's, it looked cool. I liked the artwork. The production was nice. Um, but it was kind of in that phase where I was just backing everything I saw uh, at <laughs> like, the end of last year. <laughs> so it's like every day then for you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've scaled it back a little bit. But um, this is one where I'm, I'm happy I did because it, it turned out nice. And Cool Meteor not picked up distribution, so... You shouldn't have trouble finding this once they get it into the stores because it'll be all over the place. And there'll be new stuff for it, which will be cool. There'll be new themes. Um, if they could land a couple licenses to throw in here, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think that was really missing for the game. This is, I, I, I guess, would you say this is a Meritrash game? I think yeah. it would, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think. So I mean, it's it's in the middle, but it's just the take that elements are too strong for it not to be. Yeah, there's a, a lot of card play. There's a lot of randomness. There's a lot of building up of your areas. I was a little disappointed. My one major disappointment was, as you said, the theming, like the pirate theme or the robot theme or the mafia theme. Like it was way too realistic for me. Like it didn't seem like I didn't see in the robot area, like enough robots or like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is really cool because you've been to some really interesting amusement parks. They're themed all the way out, not just like one random sign. So I was a little disappointed with that. The game took a little long from for my taste and you do definitely want to stack up on two or three major attractions whether that's a hotel or a ride to win i did get clipped at the very end from someone using one of those take that cards they stole away an employee which that was the difference of the game and i didn't really feel like there was a lot of variation between the decks Originally, when we started to play the game, they were like, well, let's not use this deck because this might have too much of this. So this might have too much of that. I, it, there was just so many cards and you had so many different types of cards you ha- in your hand. It didn't really make too much of a difference. It's it's a play for me. I just think it's a little unwieldy to be a buy for me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that is the one thing I forgot to mention. It plays too long for what it is Our, i think we we did three hours the first time yeah. with five people a little over three and then like two and a half with four after we knew how to play and i'm like that's this is too long for what this is but it might so. be it might be good as a two-player game just so that you yeah can kind of like because it also takes out a lot of the harshness of the attack cards because you have you can, there's only one place or person you could play it on and it's a little hard to kind of manage five players when you're trying to say well, how many rides does he have, and how powerful are they? And like, it's a lot. There's a, there's a big tableau of cards. Yeah, the table looked ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> and there's cards everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, a game that you and I, Anthony, have played quite some time ago, but I was able to get it back to the table, and more importantly, I was able to get it back with their additional modules or expansions, as you would probably say, and that is a fresco. Now, recently, probably many of you picked up the Fresco Big Box Edition that uh, Amazon had on for sale recently, and I was able to get this back to the table. I think Anthony and I played this with Daniel um, not too long ago, and basically the idea of Fresco is you are painting this grand fresco, and on the board itself, you have this beautiful fresco that's covered up by these paint swatch tiles that you are trying to get the proper resources by going to the market and then once you get to the market you'll get the paint and then by your action board you'll be able to choose um what you're painting what portraits you're picking what combinations you're putting together 
trying to raise happiness of your employees, and always keeping an eye on how early you're going to wake up your workers in comparison to how much happiness that's going to cause and, of course, how much it's going to cost for the market. So you've probably played Fresco before, and maybe just like you, you've only played the base you know, setup for it. But the additional three modules that come with that big box, now the big box comes with a lot of different expansions, but the initial three modules, I think, add just enough complexity to make this a game that's going to hit your table consistently, but not enough complexity that you're going to have to teach kind of like odd rules or kind of to re-explain the game. So basically what we're looking at for the first module is it introduces special portraits that can be painted at one time. Now, this doesn't seem to be much of a big thing as far as a little expansion piece is concerned, but basically this is going to be like a special player ability. So it'll be a one-time activation. Maybe it gives you money. Maybe it gives you uh, paint. Or maybe it's an ongoing ability in the game. And that's really fun because now it kind of sets up a little asymmetrical gameplay. So if you keep going there to paint those portraits, now you've built up a unique little style that your artist can kind of take in comparison to everybody else. And I really, I really like that too. Uh, module two al allows um, players to earn a steady income of paint if they complete the right fresco pieces, which I really like that too, because sometimes at the end of the game, you have paint and you have nothing to do with it. And it's very frustrating because someone took your tile and you're kind of stuck. This takes care of that completely. And the module three adds two more paint colors. That makes things a little more complex. And I think that's a little more fun and interesting that can allow you to kind of score bigger points later on. So it's not running out for those instant primary colors and secondary colors, but the really deeper complex colors that come later in the game really adds so much to the game. So uh, Fresco remains for me to be a buy. I really like, I know it's a little challenging, but I really like the idea of when are you going to wake up? How's that going to affect happiness? How's that going to affect the market? Choosing the right market and setting up your little activation board as far as not being sure how many people or anyone's going to run to the market, how many people are going to paint that turn, and in the end, what paint colors are people going for and what paint swatches does everyone need? So uh, yeah, that's a buy for me and definitely highly recommending the uh, first three modules for the game. I still need to play that again because I can't even remember why I didn't like it. You didn't like getting up early. I think that was the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it. I still you, yeah. yeah, you didn't like that kind of early <laughs> mechanic where getting up actually makes you unhappy and makes the market more expensive. It's kind of an odd thing. That's right. That made no sense. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. Well, if you wake I up, early, I don't think that ruined the game for me though. But I don't know. It's been a while. I just remember really disliking this game, and it seems to have everything I should like. I just need to play it again. Yeah, <laughs> I think point. you do. I, I think that initial kind of choosing when to wake up, which lowers your happiness. But if you wake up later in the day, it makes things cheaper and makes your employees happier. It's very thematic. It's just a little challenging. Like you have to take some hits, especially late in the end of the game. So that is Fresco with the first three modules. Uh, definitely, absolutely, positively check that one out. And now on to our feature review. So as we talked about from the very beginning of the podcast, not too long ago, we talked about the new, new Essentials. Now, you may remember way back when we talked about Essentials games that every gamer should own. Now, one of the reasons for that is 
you know, when you go to the game night or you're you're gaming with friends, you're really looking to kind of play a game that's really going to hit well with everybody and not just a game that, you know, it's maybe the hotness or maybe an old classic, but something that if you stick that in your bag, each and every time it's going to come out. So way back on episode 70, we talked about the new essential games for any collection. These are kind of the games that you should be carrying with you. It's figure you have like a small game bag and you could only fit three games with you. What games are you bringing to the game night? Because you're not exactly sure who's going to be there or how much time you're going to have. These games, my three and Anthony's three, are probably the ones you want to look at. So to start off with, let's talk about the light games. These are games that are easy to get to the table, really kind of connect with a lot of gamers, and something that doesn't take too long to teach. So Anthony, what's your first light game? Light games. So uh, just so you guys know, we are mostly Euro gamers here. So our version of light. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you are thinking like, oh, light games like resistance or love letter Well, it's a little heavier than that, but not not too much more. The the game that I'm all about uh, for this that I'm super happy I picked up and, you know, usually carry around with me uh, because it takes a little time. It's so easy to teach is Karuba. Uh, this was, I believe, a Haba release last year. And the the basic idea of the game is you're going to lay out all these different tiles and every round one tile is going to be pulled and everybody's going to take the same tile, uh, they're all numbered, and place it on their tableau somewhere. And you're just trying to get your explorers to the treasures on your map. But despite the fact everybody gets the exact same tiles every time, everybody seems to take different directions. So it ends up being a race who can get, get get these treasures, get to the and get to the endpoints you need to get to, you know, finish it off before everybody else is able to do that. It, it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes. It takes five minutes to teach. Um, there's no text. It's, you know, language independent and it's just a lot of fun. And every single time I teach this, everybody thinks like initially, I don't see how this could be any good because there's no variation, and yet it is. It's It still works, uh, even with people who've played it a whole bunch of times. So it is one I keep around. It's really quick and easy to teach, and it's definitely what I feel is an essential light game to have. So when I'm talking about light games, I'm talking games that you can get to the table, you can easily show everybody, because it's typically open information. Open information games are really the best games to teach, especially new gamers, especially Euro gamers, because you can walk them through it openly. They can keep their own strategy, but at least on the light side, it allows for easy gameplay. So uh, one of the games that are a favor for Anthony and I has to be Russian Railroads. Obviously, it's expansion, German Railroads, and American Railroads, and obviously all Railroad games as being good Euro players. But the game on the light side that I really would like you to take a look at is First Class. One of the reasons is because First Class does an excellent job with theming, and especially theming as far as not just that it looks good and not just that it makes thematic sense, but when you actually build out your tableau, you can actually follow along rather easy. Well, this is my train track and I'm putting down passenger cars and I'm putting down passengers to go in these cards. And here's my track area where I'm moving my little train meeple here. It's very simple. It's very self-explanatory. The market of cards that you're going to pick from are... Um, graphic design-wise, very self-explanatory. The, the iconography is not difficult at all. There's a little engineer meeple, and it's got two arrows, so he moves forward too. And the same thing with the train car. 
this game has really done wonders. It's really brought us back into those heavier train games because we're getting a light train game in that is really interesting and engaging for a large number of people. And with the option to mix and match different modules, you can actually set the weight of this game. So that would be first class, my light rail or light game. So Anthony, what about your medium? What's a little bit heavier here? All right. So the medium game that I think everybody should take a look at is Shakespeare. This is, I think this came out last year. No, I think the year before, actually. Uh, And it is about, it's not about Shakespeare himself. It's about his plays and putting on those plays. The game takes place over five rounds. Everybody is uh, running their own troupe and trying to gather the actors and craftsmen necessary to put on uh, plays and to please all of the people coming to see the show. Uh, So every round you're going to be uh, drafting new people. Uh, there's a there's a drafting mechanism where um, people can go in order or you can pass and let other people choose things and take other actions first. But you're going to be drafting at least one card to your tableau, uh, which will allow you to take new actions. Each card has actions on it that you can take. You can then use your craftsmen to build set pieces or costumes. Your actors can perform certain things that will move you up certain tracks to get you points. The the actual points here are pretty limited so most scores are in the the low 20s but there's also a pretty significant potential downfall if you're not careful you have to gather enough money to pay all of your actors and craftsmen if you don't you get a lot of negative points at the end of the game i really really like it it's very tightly balanced the the bidding mechanism is really cool because you get to choose how many actions you're going to take and that's basically your bid is how many actions you want to take and yet all of this stuff as complicated as it might seem is fairly easy to teach because it's, like you said, it's all open information. There's nothing hidden. And it's very accessible. And thematically, I think it's very interesting for some people, maybe not for others, but artistically, it's well presented. So it's a fun one for everybody. Okay. So on my medium side, I want to talk about Concordia. Now, why I'm talking about Concordia is because when I look back at my gaming pictures from different gaming nights, no matter where I am or who I'm with, Concordia always comes out. Now, Concordia is probably, as we're saying here, the new, new essentials as far as trading in the Mediterranean. You have an outstanding board. You have outstanding gameplay. What's really interesting and engaging here is everyone starts with the same type of roll card. So you'll be able to move and build with your architect. You'll be able to pick up other cards with your senator. You'll be able to copy. You'll be able to you know, take actions that'll give you resources or take actions that'll be able to allow you to be able to put down new explorers and travelers to kind of expand your network and be able to reap the resources when other people activate those different regions. Now, Concordia has a multitude of different maps. It has an expansion with Salsa that's out there. But even the base Concordia is always fun and interesting because Basically, since everyone gets the same deck of cards, you don't have to worry too much about explaining detailed rules. It's all there on the cards. The iconography is very simple. The text is right there on the card. So it's not challenging as far as that's concerned. And typically, at least for the first round, the moves are pre-programmed. You're going to move. You're going to build. You're going to flip over those areas. You're going to gain those resources. And then the market where you'll be able to purchase additional cards When you have those resources, that's the ideal thing to do. And as you gain those cards into your hand, what action am I going to take? Well, depends. What cards do you have available in your hand? 
So as far as trading in the Mediterranean and Euro games that allow you to build and expand and explore and reap those resources, you can't do much better or much more essential as Concordia. All right, Anthony, we've done with our mediums. Now let's bring out the heavy stuff. What do you got for us? All right. So when, when I was thinking of heavy games that are essential, I was thinking of two things. First, it had to be accessible. You actually be able to buy it and it shouldn't cost $100. I didn't think that was very restrictive, but apparently it's extremely restrictive. So there's a lot of games that I didn't include here, things like Scythe, etc., that are great and I would love to have, you know, whether Scythe is on the heavy end or not, but things like that that are just a little too pricey or in and out of print or whatever that is. Uh, so I went with a what's your game game, uh, and in particular, Zhang Guo. This is the, uh, I think it came out two years ago um, at Essen, and it takes place in the Warring States period of you know unified China, I think in 3rd century BC. And the whole goal of the game is to use a very limited number of cards that you get every round to do specific things that are going to help the emperor. So you're trying to build the wall, create different infrastructure pieces, gain influence in these different territories. When you have a card, you can play it to your own tableau or you can play, play it to the board and it has different impact. There's different bonuses you can get based on what you do and where you do it. But you have to be careful at the same time because you don't want to mess up if you do too much, take advantage of the workers and the card play it can cause bad things to happen to you as well. It's very, very much of a brain burning game it, it took me a little bit to get my head around it the first time i played it every single time i played it since it's been equally just you have to weigh the mechanics come together it's just not quite what you'd expect it's not using typical mechanics and yet the combination of area control and hand management and thematically i really like it as well this is a really good heavy game that's not super expensive i think it's fairly accessible i think i got it on amazon for like 30 bucks and it, it's quite, quite good. And it's under the radar, too. I don't think a lot of people have, you know, have this up on their list, but I think you should. All right. So on my heavy side, I'm looking at Mombasa. Now, we've talked about this often, and there's a lot of love out there for this game. Now, why I feel like this heavy game is still accessible and still essential enough to have for your game night is because, once again, it takes advantage of allowing a certain level of open gameplay as far as playing your cards out to this tableau that will activate and then come back into your hand in a certain fashion that will set up future rounds. In addition to that, while it does have a stock market feature that is a little bit on the heavy side, it's clear enough as far as moving out your companies, taking over different areas, and then by doing that, you're able to move up on the stock market track. So it's not as abstract as a lot of stock market games tend to be. You are basically trading these different resources, activating these different tracks, whether it be a diamond track or the bookkeeper track. So everything is right in front of you. But once again, it's a little bit on the heavy side. You do have to manage those cards in your hand. And by playing them in a certain order and, and where you place them and how you're able to pick them up later is really an interesting dynamic that I haven't seen in any other game up to this point, at least. And yet at the same time, it's still a very easy and teachable game as far as showing how the different components work with each other and thematically affect each other 
throughout the game. So while it is a heavy game, it's one of those games that it's simple to teach, but takes a lifetime to master. And it's definitely on the heavy side. So if you do have some heavy gamers and you do have the time available, you should absolutely bring out the new, new essential here. And that would be Mombasa. All right. So that is six new, new essential games that you should be packing in your bag and bring into each and every game night because gamers are going to be looking for those games. Right, Anthony? I think so. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> as we do say so ourselves, I know at the very least, if you did bring these games to our game nights, we will absolutely play with you. So until next week, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we want you to save us a seat at the International Tabletop Day, everybody. 